you need to have a community where you can have a like-minded investor that can pull you up and also motivate you to get better on a daily basis. So Marco, uh, you know, suggested, you know, that we got to invest in the, in the community, uh, get, take part of it, be active in it. All right, guys, welcome to another amazing episode. Today we have Hendra Tabunan. Uh, he is an active investor. He, he, he has earned a degree from San Francisco State University. He has worked in pre-IPO startups, Fortune 50, big four corporations, and then eventually started investing in single-family houses to now uh, realize that multifamily uh, investing, apartment buildings, that asset class is the way to go. Um, and that was by late 2018, 2019. Uh, you know, we're going to dive a little bit more, but Hendrick's going to talk to us about his, his background and how he's achieved uh, being involved with 900 units, both as a general and limited partner. We're going to get some, some solid nuggets and lessons from him. And Hendra, if you can, uh, if you can go ahead and, and take it from there and, you know, just tell us a little bit more about the background. I just, I just hit an overview, but, you know, how did you get that aha moment for uh, multifamily? Certainly. Well, first of all, thank you for having us, uh, for having me, um, guys. I really, uh, it's really a privilege for, for me to be here. So just like everybody else, you know, the idea of having a passive income and then grow, having the money work for you, right? Um, I started buying a you know single family home, and after certain about things like about eight or nine, and then I just realized like it's not scalable fast enough. Because originally we thought like the idea of having passive income, but the moment you have you know we have a son, our son born, we start shifting that you know instead of having passive income, maybe you can save it for college fund. And after eight nines, you know, building up a portfolio and a buy and hold model. Uh, me and my wife just realized that it's no longer scalable enough. I mean, you know, college tuition, inflation rate, and then you just, you know, skyrocketing. And then our, the way we acquiring a uh, single family home is not fast enough. So that's what we decided. Like, you know what, we need to find something that is more scalable. And we start in, in looking into multifamily and doing, a, a, you know, a research, uh, reading um, a lot of articles, uh, going to bigger pockets and listening to a lot of podcasts. That's why I just find out like maybe this is a way to go. And uh, one of, I, I credit this to a uh, wheelbarrow profit books by Jake and Gino, where I just were looking at it like, wait a minute, this is like a business that we can actually make it scalable because there's a, obviously, you know, economic scales. Uh, there's also going to be a forced appreciation, which is, I like it so much that I, I think we can, we can crank up the engine that way. And that's how we got started into multifamily and start looking awesome. into So I took two ways out of that. Uh, you, you know, you are a proud member of the Jake and Gino family, right? Which right. we are yep. too. Uh, yep. And that education sets you apart to take your, to, to open your mindset up to, wow, okay, this is how you can do it. And then the other part is, hey, you know, there's all these incentives that you, of, of how to scale quicker. And you, and you mentioned a few of those, you know, when you, you know, for the people who are skeptical and say, hey, but I can do it on my own, single here, single there, and then I'll, I'll reach. And you mentioned the, an actual business, right? Because people say, hey, single family is a business too. So what, what do you mean set up a business and actually scale? Can you give more detail into that? Because a lot of people don't understand that part. Yeah, in terms of the, 
buying, buying, acquiring, right? It's adding portfolio in, in a way it's not really any different, right? The number makes sense. But the problem is like in, in the, in terms of the single family home space, the way you operating like a business is very minimal in terms of like force appreciation. There's so much that you can do in single family space versus like in multifamily where you can actually, the way you increase the valuation is just increasing your income and then minimizing your expenses. It's just like a little like a business, how much margin you can get and you maximize out of that and how can be your efficient of that. I mean, you got a 10 single family home, that's great. But if you are all over the, the town, it's not scalable enough in terms of hiring a maintenance guy, hiring a property management and sometimes it's going to cost you even more because it just you know spread out throughout the town now imagine that you got like 10 units within the same location it will be easier maybe you can hire a, a you know a part-time or, or co-share with the property management maintenance guy all things like that they can minimize the expenses and then also in some of like you want to do renovation thing like that or you know part of the units instead of like you know five maintaining five different projects or you know, out of ten single-family home, now you can do it in one location. That kind of business perspective. Okay. I want to I want to add back to your uh, uh, your mention about education also a little bit. One thing that I I find it that is really important for us not, when you want to do investing in real estate, you got to learn to invest in yourself, right? A lot of people are so shy away, like, oh yeah, I can do it myself. I can listen to podcasts. That's a good investment, but what kind of investment do you put yourself? Because many times that people forget that when you invest in yourself, they're opening up a mindset to become a greater investor. I'm still learning myself, but I think that's what opened up my mindset. It's just investing in myself, with the whole family, and grow from there. I love that, man. I Never stop learning. Too. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's right. It's a constant growth. Jeremy, what you got? No, I was going to ask you. Uh, so we can dive on. So you you became uh you you became curious about you know growing financially and scaling up and multifamily became it right you joined Jake yep. and Gino how can you can you dip un- into the the first deal you know how you got into the first deal uh how you connected the dots how did you network with the people to make it happen yeah so <clears throat> when i joined Jake and Gino, you know, I, I met with Marco Barbaro, you know, you know and then uh, hey, everybody knows like real estate investing is a team sport. And then, um, but a lot of people forgot that a team sport is not just your property manager, your broker, your attorney and, and so forth, but expand more because your fellow investor could be your, uh, your team. So, um, and you need, you need to have a community where you can have a like-minded investor that can pull you up and also motivate you to get better on a daily basis. So Marco, uh, you know, suggested, you know, that we get to invest in the, in the community, uh, get, take part of it, be active in it. And from that kind of uh, participation, we, you know, we met Gwait, who was my partner in the first deal. And Gwait was actually was posting like, Oh, I'm, I'm just recently closing a deal, 343 units in Dallas. And then being a newbie, I'm just, being blunt and asking like, Hey, that's great. You know, is there any way for us to get, you know, participate, you know, in, in your, in your deals. And long story short, he just said like, yep, definitely. I mean, we, in fact, we are trying to increase our capital expense buffer. So, you know, we're happy to, to talk with you and, and then also 
introduce you to the operator. And that's how the, the conversation started. You just make yourself available and helping other and adding value to people. And that's how you get it to, into the deal. Nice. But, so you mentioned that you were a newbie, right? Uh, out of the yep. start. And you just start asking questions. And a lot of people come in into this, into this uh, uh, business and, and, and they underestimate themselves. They don't know what type of value to add. In regards to, to you right there, which you mentioned you were a newbie, your experience was, was limited and, your, uh, and, and what you knew was limited as well. Um, what type of value do you bring to that, to that partnership? So uh, for us, the, the philosophy, we, got, we have a life philosophy called 3T, time, treasure, and talent. So when we audit ourselves, you know, I'm pretty sure there's going to be some T that we can bring on the table. First one, a treasure, obviously your, your, your capital, right? You might be, you have a friend that, have a connect, that you can help with the bringing a capital or you yourself, maybe a HELA, pull up insurance, a self-directed IRA, right? There are many different ways or maybe your own saving that you can bring as a part of a capital. That's a T. And then the second one is talent. A lot of people are undervalued their own talent. They feel like, oh, I don't know anything about real estate. I don't know anything about business. It's actually not really true. I mean, if you have your savvy in Excel, you can be a great underwriter. You maybe know the business really well, but you bring something to bring on the table over there. In your project management skill. If you know how to manage a project, you can be a good asset manager. Um, you know, if you know how to sell, hey, that's an added bonus too, right? Yeah. It, because it's essentially, you are bringing something valuable maybe you you have a connection with a broker or you know or you know the market really well that kind of value that you could bring on the table and last but not least the time if you're really serious about this business you're going to make the time even though you don't have you feel like you don't have the time at all because that's a valuable asset that a lot of people forget they have it and they can just bring it and help the team to grow together and thrive together so in in back to your question again so we just help because we we literally just introduce the deal, the project to our family members. And that's how we learn to bring capital into helping with the capital expense for that project. Man, you just gave me the chills with that advice. It's probably one of the best advice yeah. in, in, in the way that you broke it down with the three T's. I never heard that before. Yeah, I never heard that, but that was amazing. That was pretty cool. Yeah, man. What you got? Oh, no, Oscar, go ahead. Oh, I'm, so I'm, I'm still proud. I'm still proud. <laughs> oh, okay. three piece, man. So as far as uh, you know, you getting into this deal, so you you know you, you start fitting all the puzzles, and then in in this case, um, how, you know, how did you contribute? What else did uh, what did the other members do? How did you guys break up each division of of labor? Because you know when you mentioned, hey, I'm building a business, you know, you're building this business with this team and then processes, you know, what, what exactly did he have in place and, and started to get going with you? Well, we, we obviously, when we originally come um, to this business, we coming, we live in California. It's a, it's a capital market. Uh, we, by default, we coming in a, you know, as a capital racer, we, we coming in, we bring in a capital, we play a role as an investor relation, but we evolve um, we are actually doing it as a family, me and my wife. Right now, we, when we are going to a partnership, like the one that we're doing in Kansas right now, uh, everybody playing a different role because um, I'm more like a, becoming like an, connecting with the brokers um, and networking with people, networking with investors. 
my wife is playing role to underwriting now. Um, I mean, 15 months ago, she's not comfortable doing that, but we, that's how we evolve. We learn about it and she's very comfortable and she enjoy the process of underwriting. So every time I got a, uh, an OM or any off market, uh, rent roll T12, we just send it over to my wife and then she's the one that, uh, underwrite it. If it looks really, really, uh, promising, then we start bringing it to the table to, we got our partners, uh, Joe, who's in the, in, in Kansas market can tell really well. We got also Yosef, you know, he's an attorney and seeing like, you know, how, how we can uh, coming in and in terms of the contract negotiation. So I think the being flexible in terms of the partnership and, but also you, you evolve, you don't just feel comfortable in one spot and, and that's it. But you evolve and being flexible because there's going to be so many areas that you can contribute and grow into it. Awesome. No, I love it, man. Love it. So from there, where did you take that experience and how did you, what, what was the next deal you, you ran into? So the next one is actually from, from that part, the first partnership that we got, we, we continue to build that relationship with the deal operator. And it's actually uh, after that it evolved. The second one that we, we did is actually um, was 176 units in Dallas market. That one is a little bit interesting because um, I was networking with a Marcus Milicek broker in San Francisco. Um, and we, we, he's just totally out of my market, right? Uh, I'm out of my target market, I, I should say. And we have a conversation. And it's like, you know, how are we trying to add a value? And then he said, like, hey, I came, I came across, uh, you know, a property in Dallas that we are brokerage is listing. You might be interested to look into it. And so, like, well, send it, send it along because I do have a, a deal. I have to uh, do operator in Dallas market so we can underwrite it. Initially, we thought, like, we got to underwrite it initially. And then it was promising we're going to hand it over our uh, operator in, in Dallas. Um, and then when we, we underwrite it the second day, I actually received a phone call from my partner, who's the deal operator in Dallas. And he's like, hey, you know, we, we just uh, awarded the deal. We want to... You know, I, we want you and Mercy to be part of this deal. It's like, okay, well, tell me more about the address. And it's like, oh, it's Casabella. It's Casabella in a PV. Yes, that's the one. How do you know that? It's like, well, I just got the OM, you know, it's, you know, from my, my broker here. And it was really funny. And then he's like, oh, no, we've been awarded to that deal. Like, that's interesting because I, you know, I want to make sure that this is the same address, same property, but turn out it, it is. But that kind of thing, right? Because you never know, because a lot of people like, I don't want to work with the broker within my market because it's not my market, but you never know because it's also intertwined, um, always connecting because there are always going to be some area that you can come in and then get an off market or on market deal that way. Um, so that's how we, we grow that kind of relationship and partnership um, and getting the second deal is a GP in that deal. Awesome, man. So as a Let me, Oh, go ahead, Oscar. Go. No, no, go ahead. Oh, no, I was just going to ask in regards to, so are you an entrepreneur by trade or you just can't, you just change your mindset and, and, and started creating business? To be honest, I, I credit that to my wife because I always feel like I'm a W2 mindset. And then my wife has been like, I want to be an entrepreneur. So like, you know, it kind of challenged me in that way. Like, you know, I wouldn't have to be, have an entrepreneur mindset. But it takes time to evolve. Um, we, we, we tried many different um, business in the past. 
um, real estate more like a, a side hobby, I would say, in the past, because I, I keep buying and hold uh, without knowing how to expand it. Um, and then, and then as we, we, we did like a you know private label, uh, Amazon, eBay, and, and, and so forth. But at the end of the day, we just find like you know the real estate multifamily is the way to go. But the entrepreneurial mindset, it just keep evolving. Actually, I credit that to my wife that challenged me okay. to be so where we me, are today. Let me ask you this because again, you guys were W two uh, right uh, people, and and you guys tried to start different ventures and businesses, and like you say, buying whole, but it wasn't treated as a business. Now, when you try to scale up, right? And you're trying to kind of detach yourself from the W-2. And I'm assuming that you still have your W-2 job, right? I do, yeah. But, but it, and I'm assuming also that your goal is to detach from it and then have some financial freedom. What was the, 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 emotional, uh, the, the, the emotional roller coaster or the, the, the mind shift from, from, okay, so I have the, uh, the W-2 and now let me assume the risk of, creating a team and trusting these people to do their part so we can create something bigger and leaving that that steady paycheck you know people are addicted to that paycheck yeah exactly and, and, and risking yeah. your own capital like you say you're the, the capital raiser and you you put your own capital to build something else that a lot of people have the same goal in so how, how is that how does that work all right I'll, I'll, i'm gonna answer it i think there's like a couple of questions there so i think the first one my wife is actually a full-time real estate pro, uh, professional now She's just doing this full time. Even even then, when she was a W two, when we uh, get into j jumping the multifamily, I already told my wife like, look, I we need to treat this as a business, and I need your support because I cannot be like previously like just buy and hold and pray things happen, right? Yeah. So this is the real business, and if you're serious about a business here, and then she also wanted to buy a business, so it's like, I need your help, I need your support. Let's do it as a family. And we took the risk by her leaving her W2 job, leaving the position. And that's already one of the first risks that we're willing to take because we understand somebody needs to make a sacrifice. And in this case, it's going to be her leaving her comfort zone, embarking the new venture in the multifamily. So there's other risks of, of steady paycheck, but at the same time, you have to see the risk and the reward kind of mm -hmm. mindset, right? Because we're going to be keep saying, like, I don't have the time. I don't want to do it. Uh, you know, keep holding off. What we are paying is just a delayed goal. Because you, 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 we got, like, a 12-year-old son back then. Now he's 13, turning 13. His college fund, his college cost is not going to wait. We got a time one that we have to, we got to met. Otherwise, it's just going to be delaying, delay, and then it's going to be costing our either our retirement or we have to work extra hard to catch it up. And we're not ready for that one, you know, to, to have him taking a, a college loan for that, for his college uh, fund, right, upper college fee. So that's the reason why we, we make that risk, a leap of faith doing that. Now, in terms of uh, the, the second risk, working with the partners, obviously we have to vet it out our partners. Even when we talk with somebody else from uh, community, we gotta we gotta learn to know more more like a, you know we are all married men here, just just like any marriage, right? We gotta go through a friendship, dating, and marriage, right? Nobody gonna we, nobody gonna be kind of like, hey, here you are, married right away, you know. It have to be go, you know, from that process. Yeah, yeah. 
Uh, so make I, sure you, you understand. Make sure you understand the, the value they have, right? But this is some same work ethics. As, as simple as this, you know. If you call them, will they return your call? Are, are, and then the response that you got is it the expected behavior that you expect from a partner? Because think about it, you're gonna work with them three, five, seven years before you're yeah. gonna be having a partner for a life. Nice. That's great advice, man. And I love that you're doing this with your wife. Uh, and I love that she is pushing you. That is, uh, that's awesome because uh, you always need a strong woman uh, next to your partner, next to you to to really get your, I, I think, get a man going. <laughs> no, it, it is because it just bring a different dynamic. And then if you have your um, significant other get involved, you will really boost up and, you know, make your the process faster and easier because First of all, you got to buy in, right? You understand it's not really going to be an, an easy thing or a process that happened overnight. It takes time. Mm-hmm. It's just like any, any business, there's always a risk. If, as long as your significant others understand that risk and they embark the, 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 the journey together with you, it'll be easier conversation when the deal didn't go so well. Nice. So, so let's let's go back to um, to the actual how you structure the deals and in, in, in what part you uh, you play in the uh, in the deals. Uh, so, for example, for or, or you can whatever deal that you wanna that you wanna mention. Can you break down you know what you bring to the to the table and the other partners and how you structure it? Um, a deal? What split you guys are doing? Um, yeah. How that conversation? Like you mentioned a little bit about the conversation with the broker, but walk us through that. <laughs> that deal and, and, you know, what, what challenges too did you have? And as far as even, even now, you know, as far as maintenance and things. So, yeah. Yeah, sure. Well, like I said, you know, we, we evolve. I mean, the first project we coming in, you know, as a capital raiser, not, not necessarily just capital raiser, just bringing the money and then, you know, here's the money and then see you later five years. No, it's more like an investor relation because at the end of the day, we are still a be accountable. We do have a fiduciary to our, any investor that we brought in. We're the one that becoming an investor relation for our investor pool that we brought in. Uh, we work together and make sure that all the update is being um, communicated correctly, being articulated the way that you need, they need to know, know and aware of, of the update. Uh, for the second project, um, we evolved because we also helping up with not only just, just because of the deal that we, we somewhat underwrite before. So we kind of know the market somewhat to know also. Uh, we, we created like a pitch deck in, in, a, in a sense, pretty similar, but we're facilitating the, all the capital raising effort um, with the, our partners, you know, investor pitch deck um, and then communication and also helping people being aware of the, the project status, project update, uh, helping with the updating newsletter time to time. So that kind of involvement in the current project that we are looking at in, in Kansas, obviously, because it's a smaller team, um, we literally have to learn about the market from the get-go, um, learning about the uh, population, job growth, because we, we do have a partner over there, but obviously it's in uncharted territory. It's not really established compared to like a Dallas that already, they already have like a pre-existing inventory or, or portfolio that we can piggyback. 
Sorry, I was muted. So let me ask you as far as uh, one thing you just brought up, which was, uh, you know, certain things you're looking at in a deal. So you mentioned population growth. What, what, what is your guys' criteria, especially now with, uh, with COVID as far as all the writing and, and criteria overall to get into a deal? Yeah. So obviously, just like everybody else, we are looking for um, multifaceted industries. Uh, we don't want to like single dominant industry that occupies that town or, or MSA. But we're also looking at from the essentiality of the business, right? I mean, we are, you know, if, if it's going to be just pick one area that, you know, right now and when, as we are going to pandemic right now, I, I don't know about you, but I just realized that there are many things that we don't really, really need that is becoming non-essential. I mean, clothing brand, thing like that, you know, uh, is become like non-essential because we, as long as we have a food on the table, we got a healthcare that really matters for us and a roof on the top, right? So that kind of thing that, um, that really, that we are focusing on, transportation industry, right? I mean, their, their area, if you have a manufacturing of, of transportation, either going to be a bus or infrastructure, that could be a good area because the job eventually we're still going to be growing and then the infrastructure is still going to be needed. Uh, how many, if you look back at it a few months ago, you, you see the, the supply chain got interrupted just because the infrastructure was broken. Um, so the, I can see that there are going to be some opportunity over there. So if your city have that kind of strength, that, that could be a, a potentially the, one of the area they're looking into deeper when you select a target market, in my opinion. Okay. And what, what cap rates are you seeing and what cap rates are you looking for? Um, you know, as far as uh, debt to service, are you, where are you comfortable? What are you projecting as far as uh, increasing uh, maybe rental? Yeah. Let's go there. Yeah. For right now in, in, in Kansas, I, I'm seeing it from like seven to seven and a half cap rate. Um, and then um, <clears throat> in terms of the, increasing the, the rent increase right now in our underwriting, typically zero, 0% for year one or even for 18 months. That's because we don't know until the vaccine is invented. Uh, we really don't know how stable it can be. So our play has been minimizing the expenses. So we are targeting for any uh, property who have very high on expenses, and see this is a way for us to minimize the expenses. That's going to be the power play right now instead of just okay. increasing the rent growth. Yeah. Gotcha. And what, what nugget can you provide our audience as far as, you know, expenses and a strategy you guys use to lower those expenses? What are you targeting? So I think the one thing that you can do as simple as just like looking the water, right? I'm the water rather preservation in some of the shower head, maybe the faucet, right? Or the uh, water efficient toilet, they're gonna help in, in a way. Um, I think that's gonna be the biggest one in, in terms of minimizing the expenses. And also look at the payroll because many times that if you're like 24 units, you gotta, you gotta justify the, the payroll, right? Whether it really makes sense to have a full time for 24 units. In most cases, not. Now, if yeah. you have like a very high, old one, then repair and maintenance, maybe it's maybe worthwhile to do 
heavy value add rather than just hiring a full time to be on staff over there for that small. Yeah, absolutely. So then when you are looking at, you know, lowering expenses, um, what, let's see here, what, what percentage of expenses in the gross are you trying to reach? There's no really a rule of thumb um, per se. Um, obviously, it varies from market to market um, and, and also depending on the property age because if some people are aiming for 45 to 50%, but really depending on the age also right? and how, um, how many different maintenance that, that we've been waiting for that. It could be that could contribute to that one. But that's typically the, it's just going to be 45 to 50%, but again, depending on the property age that we're aiming for. Gotcha. When, uh, when, I mean, especially in the Jake and Gino community and, and multifamily uh, as overall, when we acquire an asset, we, before COVID, right? It's, the goal was to come in, you know, reposition, raise the rents and lower the expenses. Right. With COVID, yeah. that's kind of changing. How are you guys approaching the, uh, the, especially on the underwriting, right? And the projections uh, in the five, 10, uh, five 17 years, uh, however you're going to approach that, that investment. How are you guys um, doing the underwriting as far as uh, the projections and raising rents? Yeah, I, I think it really depends on the market comms surrounding the area. And we, we, we always compare it again um, against the, uh, the property age and the amenities and the size, right? Obviously, that's the reason why, you know, every time we got to perform our OM from broker, like, you know, trust but verify because they, they keep saying like, oh, yeah, you know, market said $800, but if you're comparing it's a class A, you know, built two years ago and it, yours is like 1970 built and, you know, small, much smaller units with no amenities whatsoever. So it's not really comparable. Now, obviously, we, we, we want to make sure that we compare Apple to Apple. And only by then, um, you see that this is a market trend that you can achieve. But given that the, the situation that we are here today, <clears throat> just like Jake and Gino said, like, you know, it was, you know, you got to take the cash flow from day one. So obviously, we want to take it as is and minimize the expenses of play with the goal of like the year two or three, that's where we start slowly ramping up that rent growth to the market level. That way that we also have wiggle room because we've been experiencing rent growth trend going up the last 10 years. I don't think, I don't know if it's gonna be happening in the future, I cannot predict the future. If it's grow flat or trending down, at least we got some wiggle room rather than increasing and then now we go dropping it again. Yeah, so at least we have some wiggle room level over there. Awesome. Nice, right? So you talked about your, you know, you work with your wife. Um, how is that uh, work-life balance relationship? How do you, you know, how do you guys maintain that? Uh, I, it sounds like it's going great, but give us, you know, a lot of things. We, we always try to talk in our podcast too is as far as, you know, relationship because that, that work balance has to be, work-life balance has to be, you know, hatched out correctly if not a lot of things can go wrong so how, how do you guys work through all that it will go really well though because we keep encouraging each other right as a, as a team um 
I think work-life balance, we need to know when to stop because given that you're not, not like in the office or in the, you know, with a partner that you can just, you know, the end of conversation and click, you're done, right? You live with that partner, right? In, in the multifamily business together. So they can, we got to find a, a balance where when to stop, especially when our son coming into, into you know, in the midst of us, we got to learn to stop because at the end of the day, even though we're doing it this for him, we don't want to make him turn off every time he hear multifamily. Oh, because you're not interested in me in my life, but you're more interested in multifamily. So it kind of defeat the purpose to begin with if that ever happened. So we got to learn to be disciplined and to, and to put a stop to it, the discussion about multifamily. We trying to engage our son in a conversation, but we got to also know the limit. When he start, you know, way overhead, you know, when we talk about certain subject, we learn to stop and be disciplined about it. Right. And going back awesome. to regular family again, you know, husband, wife, father, mother, and son again, right? Yeah, I follow you. I follow you. In, you know, I follow you in, on Facebook and Instagram, and I see the great pictures of you. You know, traveling with the family and going to nice places and all that stuff, and, and having your time off. So that's really nice. Thank yeah, you. that's that's really here. That's really you know, that's really hard to do as well because you know, you like you said, you get into this, and and most people that do this are type A's and or at least B pluses, <laughs> and you're trying to <laughs> you're trying to really you know, go at it and, but you can't forget about family. I mean, that's why, that's why for most of us, that's our why. Yeah, right? exactly. So it's a, it's a yeah. very key thing to, to work on daily. Yeah. Um, yep. German, Absolutely. what else you got? I, I'm, I'm curious to, to hear about your goal. Where, where is the, uh, the goal? Where are you heading? And, and if you're looking for financial uh, freedom, What's that? What's that number or that that picture that you have in mind? Well, for us, we we are getting into syndication, uh, you know, by default, just because we're trying to building up, saving up the capital, um, not only just for our son, but eventually going to buy a generational wealth multifamily that we can keep and then passing it to our son. I mean, it's nice uh, getting a, a syndication as as glamorous as it, it sounds, it takes a lot of work. It's, it's transactional. But at the end of the day, generational wealth is the one that people are looking for a passive income. And it takes time to get there because you're not going to building up your portfolio um, like Jack and Gino, 1600 over, you know, overnight. It takes time to build it. So for us, the journey begins with syndicating um, the, our first few deals and then eventually the proceeding that we can start investing it into generational wealth or like a joint venture uh, where we can have some legacy that we can pass it to our son eventually. Amazing. That's what it's about, man. Generational wealth and family. I love it. Uh, so let me, you know, to wrap, start wrapping things up. Uh, let's, you know, can you tell us where people can find you? Yeah. So uh, people can find me in LinkedIn, uh, Hendra Tambunan, um, and also in Facebook, same thing, Hendra Tambunan. Also by email, Hendra, H-E-N-D-R-A, at ideaboxcapital, I-D-E-A-B-O-X-C-A-P-I-T-A-L.com. Or check our website, ideaboxcapital.com. Happy to connect and help any, any way we can for people that want to jump into multifamily. Awesome, Hendra. And, you know, it was an honor and pleasure to have you on. You know, you're a fellow uh, Jack and Gino 
family member, you know, and, and I love everything that you guys are doing. We, we, like my brother said, we, we see everything and we love it, man. We, you know, we hope you, you know, reach a lot more and we got to stay connected. Uh, if there's anything ever we can do, let us know. And thank you for coming on. And for, uh, yeah, for our listeners, I'm uh, sorry, Hendra, but I just want to, I, I just want to add this to it. Uh, for our listeners, Hendra is always active, helping everybody connect with each other. Uh, he, he'll get, I mean, you did get on the phone with me, you know, we, we spoke for like 20 minutes. Uh, and then you got to know me and you connected me to, to, to some great people that are helping us out. So I really appreciate it. So yeah, for anybody that's listening and needs some help, I need some guidance in this, uh, in this, uh, industry. Hendra is the guy. So thank you so much, man. Well, I'm still learning myself. I'm also, uh, leading the uh, San Francisco chapter of multifamily and more oh, yeah. Facebook group. Feel free to jump in. I'll let's make connection. It's a team sport. Like I said before, it's connecting people and grow together. Uh, Oscar German, thank you for having me. It's an, it's a privilege for me to be here talking, speaking with you. Thank you so much, man. Awesome, man. Thank you so much.